Hey guys, it's me, Chris Denson from Innovation Crush. Now look, around here, we're not exactly web designers. I think you know that by now, but I'm in the process of creating an amazing website using Weebly. And honestly, I still can't believe how easy Weebly makes it. First of all, Weebly was created for people just like me with the courage to start their own business and the dream to be their own boss. You don't have to be a web designer or know how to code to build a beautiful blog or online store. And we were all very impressed with the wide variety of professionally designed mobile-friendly themes to choose from. Then you simply drag and drop to quickly build and publish your site. Too easy. And you can truly customize, update, and change your site anytime you want on any device. Join the over 30 million people who are already dreaming big with Weebly. Get started today for free at weebly.com slash crush. That's W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com slash crush. Weebly.com slash crush. All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me. Why are you looking at me like that? What is, what's, what's, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm seeing a different side of you oh, now. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, I'm, a, I'm a performer of yeah, sorts. this is a different side. <laughs> uh, right, this is an episode of Innovation Crush. I am your gracious host, Chris Denson. Uh, today, the voice you just heard is none other than Troy Carter. Say hello, Troy. Hello, people. Hanging out with my boy, Chris, today. I love, I love surprising people with, you know. My, my special talents. This is long overdue. We've been trying to do this for a while. I know, so right? Happy here, to be here. Here we go. Philly meets Detroit. Yes, sir. Um, so for starters, for those who may not know, um, kind of give us the 101, the 90-second version of who Troy Carter is. 90-second version, uh, Troy Carter, hustler from West Philly, uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised, uh, came up from Philly with Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince and those guys went to work for Diddy for a while. Uh, so roots in, in Philly, New York, and then finally made my way out here to L.A. Uh, how long have you been in L.A. now? Uh, 13 years now. All right. There yeah. you go. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't even know where to start with you because there's, there's just so many sides to a Troy Carter. Um, let's, let's start with the definition of Adam Factory. What is What is an Adam Factory? Uh, the whole idea around Adam Factory, you know, we had, I had sold my management company in um, nineteen in two thousand four, and um, I stayed on with the company I sold it to for a couple of years. And when I left, um, I didn't want to do anything that I had done before, and I worked for this huge. I sold my company to this huge conglomerate, and um, and I hated it. It was like it was miserable. So the whole idea was what what didn't you like about that experience? You know, it was a culture clash. You know, for for us, you know, we had this really cool boutique talent management company um in downtown Philly, me and one of my best friends. And here we sold it. It was seven of us, like with me, my partner, our employees. It was only seven of us. And we sold it to a company with like six hundred and fifty employees, publicly traded company. 35 direct reports, you know, so it was culture clash. It was a culture (laughs) clash, totally different from uh, everything that I knew about the entertainment business. So when I, when I uh, got out of my deal with them after I sold the company, I I wanted to do something small, but yet powerful. And, um, and then, and Adam, you know, small, but powerful, it it just kind of stood out to me. So I just, uh, I decided to go with Adam factor. That's a a great story and, and, and great branding, you know, (laughs) kind of like 
it's interesting that you tapped into an experience and a thing that you feel most so rather, rather than what's a clever name. We, can, we can Yeah, no, with. it was it, like I had gone through like a, a couple of variations of, of, of the name and um, and it just felt it felt right. You know, cer- certain things just feel right. Now, out, out of all this experience, now I will get into like what exactly you did along the way working for Diddy and, and doing the management thing, and, mm-hmm. and even now what you're doing on the on the VC side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have you identified what the Troy Carter superpower is? Like, what's the one thing that you, you know you feel is your skill and yours alone? Ah, uh, you know what? Um, I, I would say listening to people. I'm a good, I'm a really good empathizer. So really kind of, and I think viewing, uh, business, business and relationships and opportunity through empathy is very helpful. And, um, definitely with managing artists and, um, and also working with, uh, startup founders as well. So it's, it's, it's been helpful. So the, the empathy piece of it is interesting because I think that means a lot of division of Troy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in terms of, you know, knowing what a customer is going to like. And if it's a Warby Parker, for instance, mm-hmm. which is one of your portfolio companies. Yes. Right? Um, or, you know, a Megan Trainer. Like, it's just a lot of different, you know, parts of things that go into empathy. Um, what what are some of those key things that you look out for and like you want to see or receive for, in an exchange when you when you come across? You, you know what? Um, I think, it. you know, as we look at business opportunities, it's, it's um, first and foremost, you know, I'm a I'm a consumer on 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 that side. So you're looking at would um, would I listen to this or would I understand why people would want to listen to this? You know, um, would I buy this or would I understand why people would want to buy this? So that's kind of like, you know, I'm not, um, I didn't go to business school or anything like that. So my analytics is just through um, common sense. Right. (laughs) You know, I I can listen to an idea and, uh, and break the idea down in its simplest form and the most simple childlike questions that come along with it. Right. So, you know, so that's how I need the uh, information broken down so I can understand it. And then from there, it's like, okay, do you, I want to write a check or not? <laughs> uh, let me break something down for you then. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, no I, it, I mean, that's even that, like, I love the fact that there's a simplicity to your process, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and if I read correctly in some of your background, you did not finish high school. No. Okay. So I got a GED. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Shout out to all my GED people. <laughs> <laughs> See, you, you, you can too. Um, <laughs> you can make it. Um, no, but I, I guess, do you feel that there's an advantage, you know, in some, in some respects by not having had that stayed background where somebody else, you know, maybe at your level of success sees the world through a different lens because they have that MBA or the Wharton degree or whatever it might be. You know, I think it's some advantages and it's some disadvantages, you know? So I think, um, ultimately, ultimately for me, it just personally boils down to, I never had a plan B. So when you don't have a plan B, um, you work a little harder, you stay a lot longer. Um, you, you're, you're willing to work through problems. You're willing to work through failures. You're willing to, uh, make certain sacrifices because, you know, I didn't have the the luxury of being able to call, you know, uh, my, the, my grandfather's contact or, you know, a guy who I was, went to, uh, 
to 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 camp with or uh, boarding school with, you know, so I didn't have those right. sort of right. luxuries. So, um, so it was a lot of uh, instinctual hustle to 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 make things happen. With that though, um, you get advantages because you you know you put in the hours and you work harder. Right. Um, and but there's also disadvantages as well. You know, some disadvantages. You know, it's a lot of stuff. I, I had to go back and learn, you know, a lot of stuff that, um, and even in terms of polish and how to, how to, how to work in a boardroom and, you know, all right. of those things, you know, you just, you just kind of learn it along the way. So how, I how think you, everybody has their different paths. How do you balance polish with swag? I just don't, I just be myself. <laughs> right. That's like, that's my whole thing. It's like, um, only thing I know how to do is, is wake up in the morning as me and go to sleep as me. And um and I, I don't turn it on at all or, or off for anybody. Yeah, I had, we, uh, a while back we had a conversation with uh, Tristan Walker, uh-huh. and we we got on this thing because you know with Ben Hurwitz is like the hip hop you know investor yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, did you feel like you ever maybe not maybe so maybe not uh, needed to escape a moniker or certain labeling or you for, know for sure like for for me it's like I I think um. I hate the idea of people being put in boxes, you know, um, cause I think, you know, even so starting out in the music business, you know, uh, pre MTV, we, you know, we used to have a thing called Friday night videos that used to come on like 11 o'clock Friday nights, but they showed, you know, it would be run DMC. Then it'll be boy George and culture club. Mm-hmm. Then it'll be, you know, it just was uh, a Prince, Michael Jackson, Linda Ronstadt, um, Cindy Lauper, um, Madonna, you named them. It's like, we listen to all types of music. Right. So, so my musical background wasn't just hip hop. I loved hip hop, but I liked pop music. I like rock music. It was all types of music that we came up to kind of watching those shows. So when I got into the business, I hated the, the idea of being an urban manager, like, you know, he's the guy that manages yep. hip hop artists or just, you know, he's supposed to manage black artists. So when I, when I got into pop, it was very um, important to me to do a really great job at it and to, to and to really go in and learn. And I, and I, I literally, I, I called up, um, I sat down with guys like Guy Siri who had managed Madonna. I sat down with Paul McGinnis, who managed you too. Um, I really became a student of the pop management game so I could really understand how it works so I could break outside of that box. And, right. I, and I find in venture, um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of boxes there as well. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's amazing. Cause it is kind of like, I always enjoy this game of conversion, yeah. right? Like I, when I walk into a room, I know there's a certain, oh, I expect this from you. It's like the immediate recommendation is sometimes, oh, we're working with this hip hop thing or we're doing, and, and it becomes a fun game almost to yeah. like play this little, like, ah, I'm also this, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm more diverse than, you know, you may recognize at yeah. this point in time. Um, I don't know if like, that's kind of, you know, the, the journey, like, is there, is, is there a mechanism of, of you that like enjoys the hustle in that part of Yeah. Like- you know what? It's, it's, it's the thing. I think, um, I've always, uh, liked the element of surprise, you know, right. be- uh, because people, they don't know what to expect from you when you walk in a room and you look a certain way or you're dressed a certain way. And, um, so it's, 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 it's a, it's a good, uh, 
I use it to my advantage. Right. So this, speaking of you are always you when you wake up and you go to sleep and this is 24 seven. And I think a lot of the things that I encounter are, uh, uh, at least that, you know, they have the, the, your name on them. Um, also just kind of ring true to who you are, right? Whether it's your office, which I mean, if people Google Adam factory office online, it's amazing. This, I tried to get you like a, a little, uh, <laughs> this feels good. I like, I like the vibe. It almost here. feels it's like the, the, the poor man's version <laughs> of, of your office. I like the vibe. <laughs> like that's like, not real leather, but it's, um, but no, like pleather, <laughs> plenty of leather is what it stands for. Um, what is your personal brand? And like, what do you like, you know, what is that essence? that you you want because it feels cool it's comfortable it's just like the same way you speak is the same way things look you know what i mean there's a there's a certain essence that carries out and extends beyond just this conversation with you no you know what um i think you know going back going to the to to, to the office the whole idea around that was just how do you build a place that makes people decompress you know when they walk into the door you know so literally a, a, probably a year's worth of thought went into how do we, how do we design this, you know? And, um, and for me, that's probably plays into like, I want, I, I want people to decompress when they're in the room with me. So I don't, I don't walk into the room with, with a big ego. Like, so I think, you know, a lot, especially in hip hop, you know, we went through this real, uh, the stunner phase in, 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 in hip hop <laughs> exactly. when it was like, who had the biggest Maybach? Who had the most gold chains? Right. Who had the biggest plane? You know, all, all of those things or whatever. So the the stunting was you, you didn't have a you didn't want to put diamonds in the windows. Yeah, no. So 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 the idea was for for me, like I said before, I don't I don't look at it as if I have a personal brand. I just show up. I just right. show up. Um I, I put a, a I try to put a hundred percent into everything I do. Um put my bet put my best foot forward. And um and I, and I think ultimately when you plant those seeds, it, it ends up paying dividends in, in, in the long run. That's great. When you think about it is just being you, um, I want to I think sometimes publicly, you know, and at least for a while it was Troy Carter is Lady Gaga's manager. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, how did you come from up underneath that? Because I, I felt like for a long time. Probably like, when I got fired as being Lady Gaga's <laughs> manager. Like, he is no longer Lady Gaga. What's he going to do now? But I mean, you know, like even even after that was gone, right, there was a huge Fast Company article. There yeah. was all this stuff. And mm -hmm. it was, you know, there, I think for most people who are not, like whether you're Harrison Ford and like, yeah. that's Han Solo. Like, yeah. like, no, no, I've done so much more other things. No, you know, it's like you, you always live with a label. I go at my kid's school. I'm, um. I'm Layla and Michael's dad. Like, you know, I don't have a name. I'm like Layla, Layla and Michael's dad, right? So, um, and then I think in in that case, you know, at that point in time, I think Gaga was probably, you know, the the biggest star in the world. And um, so it's, uh, and a lot of people at that particular time and still now probably don't know who I, who I am because I was behind the scenes. So, um so to give people a reference point, they reference me as as Lady Gaga's manager. Uh, I think I've been called worse things in my life. So, <laughs> that's, so, that's true. <laughs> so, I, so I didn't so I didn't, I didn't mind, and uh, and I still don't mind if they refer as former manager, you know, because she's definitely definitely talented. But um, I think with that being said, you know, b because you know, we've managed other artists, or I've invested in companies and kind of done other things outside of that over. 
the last few years, I think slowly but surely, you know, people have gotten beyond just that, just, just that label. And, you know, hopefully I continue to do things well and make investments and, you know, ho- hopefully they, they'll start referring to me as like the Uber investor. Or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> something, give me something new, something big. The innovation big. crush guest. Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of the, you know, things that you're involved in, can you give a quick list, not the whole list, but just like some of the things that are in the portfolio so people get a sense of, are you wearing Warby Parkers? Right? Warby Parkers. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. I, I, roll I with just the ordered par- some, by the way. So Love it. I, I love uh, it. Yeah. Roll, Warby Parkers. Uh, I got my Adam Factory shirt on right now. I just, I, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm loyal to the brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just as far as like, was in whatever's in the portfolio, maybe if you want to rattle off a, a couple of the companies and just uh, to put it into context. What do we have? So we have, um, don't worry, I'll stop you when it gets when the list gets too. Uber, long. we have Lyft, we have Dropbox, we have Spotify, we have Warby Parker, we have Slack, we have Thrive Market, um, we have Wish, um, we have Genius, uh, formerly known as Rap Genius, um, Attention, which is a great media company that's down the street. We have Pop Chips, we have Stance Socks. Um, what else? That's. I mean, I'm sure you don't have to go through the whole list. Yeah, but we I got just, some good. But ones I wanted, like, I wanted the audience. We got to get Maven. Maven. Shout out to Deshaun from Maven. What's Maven do? Um, so Maven, uh, they they sell uh, beauty products aimed at African American females. So um, it was a. Uh, they found out 90 percent of African American hair salons don't carry an inventory because they couldn't afford inventory. So, yeah, so they literally built a, uh, a mobile distribution. How do you find network. that? Like, this is, this is one thing that always shows me about entrepreneurs that find out some random statistic. No, I swear to God, I met Deshaun and was blown away. It's like young black guy from Oakland, moved to China, speaks fluent Mandarin, learned about the export business, uh, bought shit back and start selling it out of the trunk of his car, figured out this this hole that was there in the, in the hair salon business. And built this app, you know, he's 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 crushing it right now. He's like a, he's like uh Tyrese and Baby Boy, except a little more advanced. <laughs> but he speaks Mandarin. <laughs> right, exactly. He has a startup. <laughs> and, and can code. That's it. There's only those three exactly. things. Exactly. <laughs> um so you know, one of the things that it's it's always like the, the question that people wonder about, like, what's the it factor, right? Like, you know, what is the thing that you, the empathy is one piece of it, yeah. and like you as a customer. But, but I think it's also is the financial opportunity. Like, you know, so is, is there a real opportunity? And with Deshaun's business, we found out that the hair business alone in North America was a $9 billion business, you know, and, and here he was, and you look at um, this whole, like, what problem are you solving it and who are you solving it for? And how, how big is that opportunity? And are you, the, are you the guy that's going to drive a Mack truck through the, through a cul-de-sac to get it done? Right. You know, and you can sit in a room well, with people. Violent. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but if you're, if you're Travis from Uber, you got to drive a lot of Mack trucks through cul-de-sacs, that's true. you know? Uh, if you're Neil and Dave from Warby Parker and you're up against Lazotica that tries to kill every piece of the competition, you know, so you gotta, you gotta be a tough founder to, 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 to really be able to go up against incumbents. Right. So we look for that, that sort of tenacity and like, you know, do they have the wherewithal? Do they have the team? Do they have the people around them to help them get through those hard nights? Um, 
what's because you know some of that stuff can be learned or you know there's a lot of it is instinct but some of it is like hey you need to do x um how much do you you know does adam factory take a role in sort of that mentor coach kind of, we're, kind of we're involved we talk to our founders all the time so you know you got you get to a point as companies grow they they need you less and less um but we're we're in it with the founders you know and um and i think I'm at a school where, you know, you got some people who think, you know, uh, somebody just said, you know, you're born an entrepreneur and you're not born an entrepreneur. I think it's something that you develop over a period of time. And then that grit is something that I think you just got to go through, through things in your life that kind of um, toughens up that muscle in your stomach and your spirit to help you get through those, through those tough times. Right. So a lot of, a lot of wiping tears of your, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, I can imagine like real, like, yeah, you know what it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know one founder who doesn't have those, you know, night sweats, you know, you're you're, you're up at night when you got to worry about things that founders have to worry about, whether it's customers, whether it's your board, whether it's payroll, whether it's revenue, whether it's competitors, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, the, uh, threats on your existence, you know, you know, so, so those, those are things that gets knots in your stomachs. And, and, uh, and so when you make it through that first trial, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you made it through, it gives you confidence when you go through it that second time. And as you go through it as, as any entrepreneur, you're going to go through it constantly throughout your career, but you know, you're, Gut gets toughened. It's like, yeah, it's like once you survive the first hurdle, you're like, all right, there's, yeah, there's going to be some more hurdles, yep. but I can, I can probably clear them. Yeah. Um, what was Troy Carter's first hurdle? What was the one thing you're like, oh shit, that was, I, I didn't like that. Shit, life. <laughs> <laughs> life in general. Yeah. No, you know what? It's, um, you know, it's, it's no secret. You know, we, we come from West Philly. Um, in our neighborhood, you, 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 went to sleep, the gunshots, you know, Mm -hmm. regularly. Um, so, you know, it, so it, it was things growing up that you just had to be tough, you know? So it went and not tough in a way of, I'm going to get into fights everywhere I go tough, (laughs) but tough in a way that you got to survive around certain people. You got to be able to survive uh, in certain rooms, you got to be able to know how to navigate a room yeah. when the, when the bully comes around or the guy comes around and you know that, uh, Shoot check. He, he got, he got a gun. You better have, <laughs> right. you, you got to know how to talk to that guy in a certain type of way. And, um, and luckily enough, I was blessed enough to, you know, I come, I, you know, growing up in, in, in Philly during the eighties, mid eighties specifically was, you know, during, crack epidemic when you had, you know, uh, the JBM, which was the junior black mafia. You had the shower posse, which was, you know, the Jamaican mafia. And, you know, you had kids getting killed in the street left and right every single day, every day, you know. Um, And I got lucky enough where the drug dealers and people in my neighborhood saw more in me and, um, and basically just gave me a pass. And, you know, those guys became like my big brothers and God cousins and God brothers. And, you know, um, and they they helped me get through it. So I wasn't a guy. So they even when I wanted to do bad stuff, right. you know, they wouldn't let me, <laughs> you know, so they, they saw potential in me. So, I, you know, I just was blessed to have, you know, 
uh, grace on my side. That's amazing. Though. I feel like that's a side of the story that doesn't always get told, mm-hmm. right? We, especially like when you hear about Chicago mm-hmm. and, you know, or like all the flack that went around the Chirac film and, yeah. and all these things, you know, you don't hear that story enough of the, like, of the hood taking care of its own. Well, well, in that, it it in was a way. different time. You know, I think, I think back then if you were an athlete or you, you went to church or, you know, you had a certain, certain things, you got a pass for it. Only you, those two things. Yeah, you had to, you, 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 <laughs> You didn't I get, played. I played football for the church. That's yeah. what I was covered. So you're on, good. You're covered. <laughs> you're covered on both sides. So you get you get a pass. And um, and nowadays though, you know, if you if if your parents move on a certain block in Chicago, you're in the gang. Right. If you know if they move two blocks away, you're in a different gang. So if it doesn't matter, you could be an athlete, you could be a singer, you could be gifted, but you know you're you're in that gang if you're in Chicago. And I think back where where when I grew up, just different rules applied, and um and and you know just and I think we see, we've seen it change. Are you involved in in any way? You know. Um... Now that you're grown and you know successful in like giving back, and and if so, how? Uh, yeah, I work with a couple of organizations. So. I'll say giving. I won't say giving back. That's yeah. A, you know, it, I it, always it, reframe it, that. No, it's, it's funny you said a, a a good friend of my, Mark Bradford, who's a fantastic. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, Mark's fantastic. He's he's a fine artist. And Mark came up in Lamert Park, and we were doing an interview in Lamert Park, and he said, "I don't think of it as giving back. I think of it as sharing. And how how do you how do you share? So you know, we deal do things. You know, a lot of stuff locally in L.A. So um, I'm on the board of a, a actually with Mark called Art and Practice, where you know it's kind of built around taking care of foster kids. Um, I work with Nifty on um, young entrepreneurship. Uh, programs for black and Latino kids. Um, we, we do a bunch of stuff with Urban TXT that's focused on um, STEM training and coding for uh, for black and Latino kids. So, you know, a, a lot of work with kids that, that are disadvantaged that, you know, right. come from similar circumstances. I do a lot of work with uh, white kids. Okay. So. <laughs> Me too, by the way. I, I, I've invested in a bunch too. <laughs> um, I don't know where it came from. Um, so, so sticking with childhood for a second, uh, Wikipedia mm-hmm. says your father's, your, you know, one of your greatest heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell that story and, and just explain a little bit about why? Yeah. You know, I, I, I think my, you know, my dad, um, I guess what Chris is referring to, um, it was a story that came out, which, was which was crazy because um, I was doing this interview in Philadelphia for uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it was the, probably the, one of the first pieces where I really let somebody in. And I only, and I did it because it was like my local town, and like you know, I just felt like okay, if I'm gonna tell my full story and give somebody access, I'd rather be um, a home a hometown paper. Right. And, um, and the reporter spent like three or four days with me. And at the the fourth day, he said, um, okay, you talked a lot about your mom and your, and your grandmother growing up or whatever. Um, but you never said anything, uh, you know, you didn't say much about your dad or whatever. Where was your dad? And, um, and I, and I just told him, I said, look, I said, my dad was in, he was in prison, you know, from the time I was probably about seven until I was older. Um, you know, and he was arrested for, uh, for murder, got into an issue with, uh, uh, his brother-in-law and, um, and his brother-in-law and ended up killing his brother-in-law and went to jail for 12 and a half, 13 years. 
And um, how old were you at that? I was about six when it okay. happened, about six years old when it happened. And I did the interview and I didn't think anything of it, but I didn't give my dad the heads up on, on it. And, um, and I just assumed that this was a story that people in my family knew and everybody in my family hadn't known, didn't know the story. Like the, some of the younger people in my family, they didn't know the story. And, and my dad called me up and, um, and we talked about it because he was upset that I said it. And I, and I didn't want to lie to the reporter and, and I was, a, and it was, it was information I felt like could have been found out. So I just wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to, to to be transparent about it, but I felt terrible that I didn't give them the heads up on it. And, um, and I had no clue. It was people in my family that didn't know about it or right. whatever. But what we talked about is how do we use this as an opportunity? Because my dad, so the part of the story that, you know, I, we didn't talk about is that my dad was a social worker when this happened, ended up, um, you know, he and his wife stayed together the whole time. My, my mother and my stepmother stayed together the entire time he was in prison. Um, when he got out, um, that's the best woman ever, by the way. Oh no. My, my stepmother, <laughs> the, I swear to God, the yeah. women, the women in my life, man, are just, fan, are just fantastic. And, um, but she wrote with him throughout the entire experience when he got out, um, you know, w- ended up getting a job as a driver, driving um, a woman in the suburbs. And, um, and then two years later, got his old job back as a social worker and retired as a social worker. Wow. Um, you know, came back as the patriarch of, of our family. So like, and, and people know, you know, my, with my dad, if any, like he's the guy that everybody in the family goes to, when you got a serious issue, how do you, how do you talk through something like, t- um, whether it's, whether it's a, a relationship issue, whether it's a, a life issue, you know, he's just, he's just one of those guys and, you know, v- Vietnam war vet, you know, he's, he, you know, he's just a real deal. So I, I, I love him, love him to death and his experience. I don't think, I think his experience helped shape who I am um, how I approach things, how I deal with conflict, how I deal with success. So um, I've been blessed to have great, great parents. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so now as a parent of, of five children yourself. Yes, we a, got a tribe. We a got a crew. It's a, a lot of bedroom time. <laughs> um, I, I only and have a lot, And a lot of tuition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't even start. Um, you know, what is the, if you could point out a single most thing that you feel is most important to instill in your kids as a parent? Um, gratitude, you know, if it's one thing, it's just gratitude, you know, it's just not taking anything for granted. My kid, you know, my kids grow, grow up, they grew up much different than I grew up. And, um, and how do you not, how do you not take it for granted? How do you feel? How do you walk in a room feeling like you got to work for something versus you're, you're entitled to it? You know, um, I think there should be in any kid that that it should be a small dose of entitlement because you should have the opportunity that anybody should have. But you got to work for that, you know, for that for that opportunity. That's great. Um, So uh, a little bit of a a fast forward to now, you know, and your career has definitely 
empowered not only the businesses that you've helped along the way, mm-hmm. but also um, those customers, right? The mm-hmm. Uber, the convenience of an Uber ride, mm-hmm. the easy listening of a Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you want your legacy to be? Like, you know what I mean? What did, <laughs> after you're done, if you ever stop, you know, what do you want people to look back and think of and remember about Troy or what's the impact you want to have? You know, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't start. I, I don't know if I'm thinking about legacy right now, you know, um, you know, it's, it's important to me that I create a pathway for kids who come from my, where, where I come from to be able to get there because it was people like Russell Simmons, who the founder of Def Jam and uh, and Rush and all Def Digital, is people like uh, Reginald Lewis, who was like the Jackie Robinson of Wall Street. Um, you know, is is there are people who I'm who I modeled myself after, who I looked at and said, okay, you know what? If they can do it, you know, is I can do it. Like you know, they literally. Reginald Lewis was from Baltimore, grew up in, you know, crazy neighborhood in Baltimore. Russell was from Queens, looking at Puffy being from Harlem, you know, and it was people that, that kind of, I felt like paved the way for me. So if I can, um, I'm just looking to, to, to blast open the door and, uh, and if I can be the doorstop, just, just, (laughs) just let me be the doorstop to let, you know, Hundreds of thousands of, of 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 kids in the door. You can be like Forrest uh, Forrest Whitaker in in uh, the Butler. Cookie? Yeah. Hey, listen. I, I, I'll, I'll I'll hold the tray. Cookie? If I get if I if I, <laughs> if I if I if I can let them in, you know, because it's funny because I was literally it was a piece that blew my mind. Um, it was uh, we, you know, we we have been raising this technology fund, and a and um. One investor who's probably just an incredible investor, you know, he came to me and he said, um, he basically pulled us to the side and said, I want you to know that people didn't, um, there's some investors that wouldn't invest in your fund because you were focused, they thought you were going to only focus on uh, black founders, like you were going to change your strategy and only focus on black, on minority founders. Um, and, you know, and they wanted you to focus on more Ubers and Lyfts and Dropboxes and, you know, these billion dollar companies. And I said, who said a black guy can't build a billion dollar company? Like it's like but right. and it just blew my mind. And and, and literally it um, it fucked me up for the entire weekend thinking about it. And I and I thought and I'm like. By the way. Black people, you wouldn't weren't allowed to play basketball at one point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <That is> true. <laughs> they weren't allowed true. to play basketball, and um, and 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 now you you know it's a t- and, and a multi billion dollar business built on that, right? And um, and I think being able to open up technology to be able to give a, a minority entrepreneurs a chance is like. It's my obligation. I don't have a choice. And and based off of that conversation that um that I had with this guy the other day, I'm like I'm 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 seeking out founders. Matter of fact, on 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 your show Innovation Crush right now, every black dope founder out there, send it send me your business plan. Send it. Send it. We need it. We need it. We got to prove these guys wrong. 
There are multi-billion dollar opportunities out there. Let's find them and let's get it. And you guys build the next Uber. You guys build the next Dropbox. It, 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 show, show these guys they're wrong. What are you passionate about? That. <laughs> that 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 right there that right there I felt it yeah no it's true but i you know it I, I've, I've had that conversation in the last month i just hate race like it's it's, it's this whole bullshit around i'm glad this is a that i can talk do it. honestly with you but it's this whole thing around unconscious bias that they're using and that, that, that's what they're calling it. It's called racism where we come from. <laughs> they call it unconscious right. bias. They try to clean it up. And, and it's called racism at the end of the day. And, you know, I feel like we were born in a country where everybody should be afforded an, the, an opportunity. And the fact that gender, uh, geography, zip code, race, um, you know, um, religion, like all of these things, appearance, appear, like the, <laughs> the like, fact that we live in America is like this. Th these are the issues to me that that are important right now. So I just think, you know, as as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a, a, a leader in the, um and in, in, the, in the tech community, you know, I, I feel like we got to be vocal. We got to be vocal about it. And what I love is it's not just black guys being vocal about it. It's guys like Bill Maris from Google Ventures. It's guys like Mark Suster from from Upfront mm -hmm. Ventures. It's Paige, it's Paige Craig from from Arena. You know, so it's Fred Fred Wilson from from uh, from Battery. You know, uh, Fred Fred and um, Fred and and Mitch uh, Frida and Mitch Kapoor from Kapoor Capital. So, you know, is, is, is a group of people who are angry about it. And we're like, okay, we're not protesting it. We're not, we don't need to protest in the streets. We need to protest with our checkbooks. At Just this do, point. It. do and, it. And, that, and that's, that's a very unique position to be in mm -hmm. to say like, okay, I don't have to go and like hold a sign and, mm -hmm. and you know, meet with people except for the people that I want to support and fund and do the exact thing yes. that we have the problem. And then, and then now with that being said, Founders who are given this opportunity, they gotta they got they gotta show and prove now. This is this is they get they gotta show up and they gotta prove. Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, it, it's um, you know, you you said a lot of really uh, amazing. And, and no, by the way, it's not, it's it's the the way people we we live in a we live in a world where it's followed a pack. If a superhero movie comes out and 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 does a billion dollars at the box office. Every every studio is gonna make superhero movies. You know what I'm saying? If a, if if a if a black founder creates the next Facebook or or Google, everybody's gonna be looking for that for that next guy. It's just a follow the pack mentality. Right. So we just need one to break it wide open, and 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 I think it goes from there. And I think it's also telling those stories, right? Mm -hmm. The you Tristan Walk, like all these individuals who chameleonaire, you know, yeah. um, who I, I just that. met by the way, like. Last week, and he blew my mind. Guest on the show, uh, Ch Chameleonaire to me is he, he? He's a special founder, brilliant. Yeah, um, like I was like, oh, okay, and just cool and fun. Like he's like all, all the boxes are checked yep. with with him. Yeah, um, 
But, you know, I, I think it's also telling more of those stories, right? I'm 120 episodes into this. Like, I tell the wow. whole diaspora of just individuals who are creative and smart. But I make sure I'm, like, being inclusive, mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. as inclusive as possible. Um, and you, things last year, you guys launched Smashed, right? Yes, Which yes. is Which, given your passion at this point, Smashed is a perfect word. <laughs> it's like yeah, just smashing no, the game. No, you know what? Because it's, <laughs> it's funny because we, we had all of these, like, really great people that would come in and out of our offices and had these interesting conversations. And I'm like, we need a platform to kind of promote it, but it needs to feel like Forbes meets fader. Like, right, you know, right. so who's, who's telling the story through the cultural lens. So the whole idea was let's, let's launch this platform and smashed, you know, outside of the publication. If you guys like S M a S H apostrophe D no, just S M a S H D. Oh, no possible. <laughs> no possible. See, it's all this hip hop stuff, man. I, you know, there's no Z in there. I don't. No, no, exactly. <laughs> is there a Z or a dollar sign? Uh, <laughs> dollar sign. I, I keep thinking of Master P album covers now. Exactly. That's all like the that whole era. Um, but as a platform, which is a perfect word to describe it, you know, you've launched Smash Labs. Right. Mm-hmm. There's another there's a conference coming up. Yeah. There's, it's all smashed. Right. It's a yes. sub brand of Adam Factory. Um, talk a little bit about just the smash brand outside of the publication. And even the fact that you decided to create an accelerator, you know, when you could very like what's the difference between doing what you've normally been doing and then saying, all right, I'm going to bring all these people here for a number of weeks and put a program together. For yeah. Cause, you know, I think um, the accelerator program uh, that's called Smash Labs, the idea was. No apostrophe. No apostrophe. Okay. <laughs> just uh, smash Z, laugh. Just, oh, okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, uh, but the, the idea around it was, you know, it came from, we had one company that I met at USC and um, they pitched me their business. I said, how about, I said, I have some extra space in my office, which was my gym, which was the most underutilized space in, in the entire building. <laughs> Nobody used the gym. So literally we moved out all of the equipment, ripped down the mirrors, uh, put up a fresh uh, coat of paint, and we put this company in there and we just gave them access to our network. And they built a $3 million business within a matter of 10 or 11 months being in the space and just kind of really benefiting from... Um, our, our core expertise around branding, marketing, communications, um, a lot of our relationships. And when they moved out of the space, we had this, they outgrew. They went from four, four people to 30 employees. And I decided to, you know, let's do it again. But if we could build it out and as a program and let's bring in more companies and, you know, let's bring in, uh, let's really organize it in a way that was, that was complementary to other accelerators. So where uh, and we we had a f- incredible first cohort of companies that that came through, and uh, we're opening up in at, I think April twenty fifth for our new batch that will start in the fall. So and, and that, just by the way, I mean that portfolio was pretty amazing because you had very new and young companies, but then you had I don't know if I can say, but I'm yeah. gonna do it anyway. But yeah, like sure. we the we transfers yeah. of the world were also in there who were like huge huge in Europe, not as big in the US, but we all sort of use it and send files, which is very like a mechanical sort of undertaking for you versus something that might be a little bit more sexy and like the music, you know, or, yeah. or entertainment. Space. Yeah, and the, the thing is, you know, we wanted companies that touch culture. That was the, that was the whole idea, you know. So where it wasn't companies that 
were primarily focused on music or, you know, um, it was how, how, how do we look at companies that touch culture, but build an environment where the companies can also learn from each other. And so what we transfer, you know, they were, I think they did over a billion transfers last year, incredibly creative founders killing it in Europe. They were looking to expand and grow in, in North America and, uh, and really create, you know, uh, how do we, how do we, launch a media platform on, on top of this, this layer. And we hit it off right, right away. Right. But to be able to have that experience of a, we transfer in there with a young company pre-product like Trackfire, uh, they been, it was a mutual uh, benefit from them working together because we transfer wanted to really learn about music discovery. Mm. Um, and, Trackfire really needed uh, product experts, and they, you know, so they, they, that was a match made in heaven right there. So it was a lot of synergy amongst the portfolio. How do you give these young companies, you know, the expertise of someone as seasoned as yourself or seasoned as any of the mentors that you've mentioned? Because there's definitely there's the grit and the hustle and all the things that come with being, you know, a millennial or younger founder of X. Mm-hmm. But the life experience and, you know, the things, the value that that has that may go overlooked, you know, along the journey. Yeah, you know what, we, we, they had to, the, the, the companies had the benefit of our network, which was fantastic. So, you know, Mark Cuban kicked it off. So literally the first talk of the entire thing was Mark Cuban, who was probably just one of the best entrepreneurs in the world. Incredibly smart. You know, one of those guys who's seen it all. And, um, and has made some incredible investments, but then you, you know, you had Jason Calacanis, you know, who's the, probably one of the top angel investors in, in, in the world talking to him and, you know, come in and spend the day. Then you got Russell Simmons and then you got, you know, the team from HBO from Game of Thrones and, you know, that talked about storytelling and the importance of narrative and, uh, Rochelle Parham from, um, from eBay who was taught, who, who taught people about marketplace. So, Things that I don't know about and areas that I can't reach to be able to go into our network to bring them in. You know, I think that probably was even more beneficial than me than anything that, that they've couldn't have, could have gotten from me alone. If I'm a marketer and I'm at, let's call it Pepsi or some big brand right now, and I'm listening. That to means it. you're in trouble, <laughs> which is what I was about to say. Which, like, if I if I'm that individual and I need to take away something from this conversation. You know, what, what do you want the big brands to know outside of watch out? (laughs) Like, you know, what is it that, that you do and like what Adam factory does that they should be thinking about or benefiting? That's the difference between, you know, um, founder led organizations, you know, so when you look at Amazon and you, you look at Amazon, you look at, um, Google, you look at, um, Apple during, during the, the, the jobs era. Um, these were founders and publicly traded companies that didn't give a fuck about what the public thought. Like this was about, we are product driven companies. We care about the consumer. We know what's, we know what's coming next. 
we don't mind removing the disk drive from from the computer while everybody's you right. know using disk. We don't mind building Amazon web services and we're in, we're in the book business. You know, we don't mind breaking the company up and calling it Alphabet and you know doing a venture arm and doing uh you know uh Google X with driverless cars. These are companies that are are looking at the the future and not concentrating on how how are we surviving quarter to quarter? That's not that is like they 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 couldn't they couldn't care less about it. Fast forward to you know companies like what, what we're talking about. If you're still in, if you're still building your business off of carbonated beverages, you are in trouble because it's no coincidence that the the soda category that had grown for a hundred years fell off a cliff when um, and started eroding. When the information age hit, so mm. when when people can read on the back of a bottle and and see the, a direct correlation between um, health issues and in, and ingredients, and now all of a sudden you have these other options. You know, I I respect CVS for saying, okay, you know what, we're getting rid of a two billion dollar tobacco business because we're focused on healthcare. We're gonna take the hit in the market right now. We're going to take the financial hit at the register, but if we're going to call ourselves a health organization, we gotta we gotta move out of you know right. we gotta move to, towards the future. And I can't imagine a future in, in fifty years where um, cigarette companies are going to be able to survive in their current state of, of of where they are where they are right now. And I think it goes the same for for, for sodas probably too. That's great. Um... You know, I think when, especially on this show or just in general, you'd read a headline is Joe or Jill at X company is does such and such or all those visionaries you just mentioned who came in and spoke to, you know, your first class of, of entrepreneurs and businesses. Um, rarely do we hear about the team behind that individual. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your team, how you put it together, especially, you know, uh, especially like coming from a team of seven and preserving the essence of like who you are and instilling that in other individuals, you know, and I don't even know what size Adam. Uh, yeah. We're about, I think it's 20, 20 people at Adam factory across, across all divisions now. And what's funny is maybe about two years ago, I realized that, um, the team, cause the original at, you know, Gaga was our first client at Adam factory. So I had sold the company, um, created this new company. Gaga was the first client that we signed to the new company and the new company was only me. So it literally <laughs> not even a, an right. assistant at that time. It was literally me. And, um, and then, you know, I hire a, an assistant. Then, you know, the business grew a little bit like, um, Gaga started touring. So I, I had wasn't to call you laddie Gaga, but then it, was, it wasn't, <laughs> A, it was, it's too late. Yeah. B, it wasn't that funny. Yeah. So we'll continue. edit that. We'll edit that <laughs> um, but we had to build the business around um, around her. So when we stopped working with Gaga, it, I, I realized that the business was designed around that one specific client and didn't really um, scale to representing other types of clients or moving into other areas. So um, so I went through a period of of really turning the company upside down. So, um, and that, that's probably. And it was uh, still you at this point. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, I think we, we had grown the company to probably 40 employees at oh, the, wow. at the big, at, at our biggest. And, um, which I felt like it was too big. 
and I had, you know, too many direct reports. Um, it, a lot of bureaucracy had grown within the business and I like people to be able to make independent decisions, you know, so, and it weighs me down when I got 50 people that are waiting for an answer directly from me, um, or, or feel like that they can't make a move because it's some, it's somebody in between, uh, them and a quick decision. Right. So, uh, so we, I really did a complete reorg and we're about 20, people and it's very, very lean and inefficient. How do you empower people to, to, cause I, I, I can imagine when you hire someone, right. Mm-hmm. There is that, there's a growth period where it's like, uh, is this okay? Like, is this okay? Like how much rope are you giving at the beginning and how much, like or how closely are you tied to, to, to you know, I don't, I don't think anybody in an organization by myself can make a decision that's going to put the company out of business. So, um, so short of, short of that. And, um, and one thing, uh, Doug Moore is the, the CEO of, of Sony music. Um, he was, he was the head of universal. And at that time, you know, he, you know, he had Jimmy Iovine, who ran Interscope, reporting to him. Uh, he had L.A. Reid, you know, um, who was running Def Jam, reporting to him. Lior Cohen, who was running the label, reporting to him. So he probably had eight superstar executives that reported to him. So I asked Doug, I said, how do you manage that? Like, how do you manage that executive talent? And he said, judge people by their intent. So when people make a mistake, um, look at their intent in that decision. If it was intended to be um, beneficial to the, to the company, then they let them make that mistake and learn from that mistake. You know, it, it, you know as long as it wasn't malicious. Right. And that's how I look at it. You know, I, I, I tell people, take risk. Take the take the risk. Don't yeah. don't don't wait on me. Like if you want to sign that act and you really believe in that act, my COO, who's been with me since the very beginning, you know, she has a law background, came to me a year about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and said, I want to sign my first client. And she's strictly operations, right. by the way. So I said, Okay, um, who's the, who's the client? She says he's a, a jazz artist, a jazz saxophonist. And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, I said, good luck. But I encouraged her. I said, if you believe right. in them and you want to sign them, go for it. Fast forward, it's uh, Kamasi Washington, who, you know, worked on the Kendrick Lamar album. <laughs> amazing. Um, album of the year from probably 50 different press sources. Ended up winning the lar- the most prestigious prize in America to... Um, the, uh, I think it's called the American Music Prize or something that's uh, equivalent to the Mercury Award in the UK. I know. Yeah, it's like the best thing, right? <laughs> You're lying because this is the first year. I'm free. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, but like it was, you know, but to be able to get, encourage her and support her during a decision that I didn't necessarily believe in, but I believed in her. He's, you know, he's playing Coachella in a couple of weeks. He's like playing Newport Jazz Festival. He's he's the real deal. It's amazing. Um, so as we wind down, mm-hmm. breathe this all, breathe it all in. Whew. Um, Whew. That was a quick, that was the quickest deep breath ever. Uh, do you meditate? All the time. Um, so the show is called Innovation Crush. Uh-huh. Um, what do you see out in the world right now? Uh, obviously, you have a good 30,000 foot view of what's happening um, that you are currently crushing on. Like, what's the one thing that Troy Carter wishes he would come a little closer to him? 
Ah, uh, right now. I think country music's very interesting on the music side. Very, very, very interesting. Um, it probably has the biggest growth opportunity um, right now out of music just globally. And then also, I think it's speaking to people in, in a way that hip-hop used to speak to people and the way that soul music used to speak to people. <laughs> And um, so it's really, and so country music's very, very, is a very interesting space right now. Um, and then on the technology side, you know, just really um, this entire, we, we see the shift in democratizing healthy lifestyles right now. So um, like I mentioned, Thrive Market, they're kind of focused on, they're going after Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, mm -hmm. but it's like 50% 50, 50 below below the price. And But it's a, a membership that you pay every year, uh, like 60 bucks, like Costco. Right. But, you know, for every membership that that somebody buys, they're giving up, they're giving away a membership to uh, people that live in food deserts, right? So where, you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I love it, you know, so... Um, I'm like those. Those are things that that are in, very very interesting to today. Well, with all the, I mean, wow, we we covered a lot. Um, wish we could keep going, but uh, with that, I mean, with covering your childhood, how you came up, the grit that you have in you, the entrepreneurial endeavors, and just you know your creative vision on how you see business and uh, an opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is wow. Innovation in me is living around the corner, living around the corner. What does that mean? Living around the corner is like you're, you're there before everybody else gets there. You, you, you're seeing what's happening before everybody else sees it. Very, very Philadelphia of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, last but not least, any, like, how do people find you, uh, you know, put yourself on? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I, where do people go to find out more about you, Adam Factory? Yeah, just uh, uh, go to, go to Adam, Adam, AdamFactory.com uh, is, is, is our platform. CrossCultureVC.com uh, is how to reach us for, in, for investments. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right, cool. thanks for having me. No, we got to do. Great. We got to do this again. I, we, I'm down for part two. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it. <laughs> hey, everybody! This has been another install. Don't look at me funny this time. This has been <laughs> another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time. All right, we're out.